Greetings, fellow time travelers. My name is Reba. I'm your host. Welcome to the Hermit House, a somewhat loquacious podcast intended to provide both education and amusement. I am, as clearly implied by the title of this show, a self-proclaimed hermit of the 21st century variety, living in a charming fifth wheel trailer rather than a forest hut like my esteemed predecessors. I suppose it would be more accurate to clarify that I am a part-time hermit at best. Those of you who identify as an omnivert or possibly even an introvert will understand the need to recharge, something my friends and I affectionately term hermiting. So whether you live in a hut or a trailer or a normal house, whether you are self-employed, work the normal nine to five or catch the swing shift on the weekends, whether you are around people constantly or almost never, I'm quite certain most, if not all of you can relate to occasionally having the desire or the need to be alone, simply exist, have some time to think, some me time. Those precious moments of silence are so valuable, especially for those of us who feel the drain of social interaction to a greater extent. Those of you who have kids or have family members, sometimes you just need a moment to yourself. I've been asked several times, Reba, what is the podcast about? Each time I get asked this, it finds me fumbling somewhat for an answer. I cannot package it into a neat, marketable sentence because my brain simply does not work that way. So I'm going to break the rules. I don't have a cute sentence to give you to help you decide to continue to listen to this show or not. I don't have terms that fit into SEO or search engine optimization rules. If you're like me and did not know what SEO stands for, yes, I am not a member of the technology club. I can tell you that I intend to focus episodes on subjects that are both practical and fanciful. Life is a complicated journey that involves so many interests and conversations. I am simply endeavoring to create a virtual place in which to have these conversations with a variety of people about a variety of subjects. I am a teacher by profession, and because of that, I love encouraging learning. I personally love to learn and to grow and to challenge my own ideas about things, find out other people's perspectives and opinions and thoughts on a variety of subjects. Therefore, I intend to begin a conversation that stimulates the mind while charming the heart. There are large sweeping topics like food and language and health that I would love to discuss with you in great detail. There are current events and real-time realities like pandemics and mental health and finances and politics that are important to have real conversations about. I am by no means an expert. I do not have fancy credentials to wave about. I do have an insatiable curiosity. I have a decidedly average perspective. Hopefully that makes me relatable. This show is for those individuals like me who are endeavoring to continually expand their own knowledge base, challenge their own ideas, and, and ultimately grow as a human being. So if you have endured my rambling thus far, thank you, what a trooper, I would invite you to subscribe, 
Join me here every Tuesday for a four-way into topics of all shapes and sizes, from the trivial to the paramount. With that being stated, welcome to episode one. Am I doing this right? So it begins. Happy New Year, everyone. I hope you had a pleasant holiday season, however that looked for you this year. For many of us, the holidays were exceedingly changed from the routine that we have become accustomed to due to the global pandemic, as well as a few other reasons. Some countries are currently back in lockdown. Many areas are encouraging tighter social circles and restricted travel. I know many, many people were not able to gather with outside family this year due to the restrictions and social responsibility. So the holidays looked quite different in so many places. How were your holidays? I'm curious. It feels that all of this year has been so radically different from what we expected. For myself, my own town underwent a massive tragedy in the beginning of December that somewhat took over Christmas and, and New Year's. I did enjoy Christmas dinner with family who lives close by, but I think most of us were not feeling particularly festive. I laughingly told a friend a few days ago that I would probably leave up the Christmas tree that I had forced myself to put up and, and, and all of the Christmas lights, and I would celebrate a bit more in February or March when things settled down and I have a chance to process the trauma a bit more. That may have been a jest at the beginning, but I think there is a, a bit of wisdom there. We need to give ourselves space to grieve and to process instead of forcing a, a false sense of joy before healing has truly begun. True joy is so much more effective than forcing the feeling we think we are supposed to have. So even if you haven't experienced massive amounts of trauma this year, you may still be feeling a bit of grief simply due to the loss of normal. Our life looks nothing like what it did a year ago. So in a sense, we all are mourning our own routines and our habits. I don't want to get too deep into this kind of subject right now, perhaps in a future episode, but allow me to briefly state it, it is certainly not trivial to feel sad over something like holiday changing or not being able to celebrate in your normal way, just as it is not trivial to grieve something much more tangible like a death or a loss of a house or a car or a friend. Grief is grief and we all process it in our own way. Give yourself permission to mourn. Of course, we cannot stay in the grief cycle forever, but your process of grieving may look different for you than it does for the people around you, and that's okay. Life does go on, and it is just as important to move forward as it was to take the moment to feel. That's all I will say on that for now. Perhaps another time we can continue to discuss grief and healing in more detail. Let me know if you're interested in that. Going back to holidays and Christmas, however this year's festivities looked for you, I do hope you found a moment of joy and peace in spite of the unfortunate nature of this year and all the changes that it brought. I'm curious, do you have any favorite traditions that you do on holidays? 
my own personal favorite for Christmas is reading Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol in the few days before Christmas. This is something that I started for myself. My family didn't do this, but I personally quite enjoy it. This year I was not able to do it due to the tragedy that happened in my town. I'll explain more on that another time. I also quite enjoy exploring other cultures' food rather than the usual holiday fare that I grew up eating. It is so fascinating to me, the sheer variety in food on this planet, the amount of flavors and, and methods of cooking cover this globe. It is something I am extremely grateful for, and the fact that thanks to the internet we can research and experience these foods firsthand and get a fairly close product to the real deal. I know here in America, the traditional ham or turkey dinner still has a very solid hold. I think prime rib is also quite popular. For me personally, neither of these options are my favorite. Like I said, I like exploring the unusual, or at least the unusual to me. So what does Christmas dinner look like to you? Is there a specific food or pattern of foods that look normal to you or that you look forward to. I know New Year's has a strange custom that I'm not entirely certain of the origin and I I fully do not understand, but you always get told you are supposed to eat black-eyed peas on New Year's Day. Uh, As someone who is not from the South, I do not understand the necessity of this custom. And I, I do know for a fact that it is fairly limited in its outreach. It's not something that you would find in a vast part of the world, but those who follow it are very certain that you must eat black-eyed peas. Uh, So if anybody knows the origin of that, I'd love to hear it. Did anyone stay up to see 2020 to the door? Did, Did anybody not actually stay up to see 2020 to the door? I have to admit, experiencing a sensation of glee upon seeing the clock slowly creep past 11.59 and hit 12 o'clock. The sheer joy of seeing the calendar on my phone shift from December 31st to January 1st was absolutely incredible. I fully admit to bidding 2020 adieu with a see ya 2020. It's been interesting. Even with the relief of having done away with 2020, we are all quite probably feeling a touch of trepidation facing this blank slate of a year after the objective atrocity that we just survived. Our bubble of normalcy and expected routine has been popped. In the past, I know I certainly would look forward to a new year with equal amounts of excitement and trepidation, knowing that I would most likely experience both success and failure, but I always was able to keep a general optimistic expectation of a good year, excitement, and happiness. This past year, I feel quite possibly exceeded even the most pessimistic of outlooks. I lately have been appreciating a few YouTube videos that put a comical spin on this past year by attempting to explain the occurrences to their past selves when you start listing in attempting to explain everything that happened, it comes across extremely theatrical and very unbelievable. If you had watched a movie in a theater 
with all of the action and and layers of this past year, you would you would probably walk away from it thinking, wow, they were trying way too hard. We had global sickness, worldwide quarantine. In America, there was a national fascination with Tiger King. Did anybody actually watch that? There was masks, social distancing, a term not previously used to that extent, murder hornets, etc. It is quite surreal to walk into a bank, if the lobby in your area is open, but to walk in with a mask on and not immediately send the place into a frenzy with the tellers anticipating a holdup. Instead, it's completely normal, and if anything, the lack of a mask creates the frenzy and the worry and the panic. What a backwards time. I do wonder whose 2020 resolution had been to become a Zoom meeting professional. (laughs) I imagine there's a lot of professionals that are not happy with them right now. Speaking of New Year's resolutions, are people still making those in 2021? Do do we still do this? Of course, this year may be a bit different. I'm sure you've possibly seen the meme that is passing around the internet Nobody claimed 2021 was their year. We're all going to walk in really slow. Be good. Be quiet. Don't touch anything. (laughs) It always makes me laugh when I see this. But resolutions. Are are we still making resolutions? Do people still do this? If you do, I'm curious. What resolutions are you making for yourself this year? I know there has been a flutter of advertisements in my feed lately that seem to operate on the assumption that people are indeed making resolutions, but they seem to promote the reactionary type of resolution over a healthy decision. You know the type, the usual lose weight, spend less, exercise regularly, start a new hobby, clean out your junk, reduce your screen time, etc. The assumption that these companies make is that someone steps on the scale after the holiday binge, or perhaps after the quarantine bread-baking extravaganza. Or opens a bank statement after the Amazon shopping spree and immediately decides that something has to change. While this advertising or even this sort of resolution is is nothing remotely unique to this year, I find myself feeling concerned for the social and mental repercussions that those reactionary resolutions and the seemingly inevitable failure will precipitate this year. Not that all resolutions are inherently bad, but this attitude that we must react instead of positively make choices to benefit ourselves does not seem healthy to me and seems to cause more strain and stress than necessary. I personally became a bit disillusioned with New Year's resolutions. As a child, I remember realizing some late January or February day that not only did I neglect to actually fulfill my resolutions, I practically forgot what they even were. There was no genuine change instigated by the ritual of a resolution for me. The whole process just seemed quite a waste of time and a recipe for disappointment and self-loathing, quite illogical to my eight or nine-year-old brain. However, resolutions in and of themselves are not bad things. A resolution essentially is a decision, and if you have made a decision to 
institute something in your life, regardless of whether it happens on January 1st or January 18th or July 24th. That is the key. You see, one year or another will not become your year by resolution alone. Creating a goal without a plan is simply making a wish. Now, don't get me wrong. I do not intend to imply that change is not possible beginning on January 1st. Regardless of the date you make a goal in your life, it is entirely possible to succeed, to commit to that. But there are some basic steps that have to be followed in order to foster genuine permanent change rather than the reaction to your own chaos that seems to be stimulated by the media and the advertisement world, especially this type of year. And these steps are, they're not unknown to us. Very simply, own up to your actions, accept what is reality for you, regardless of whether it is good or bad. Own your own personal life. And then once you have identified something that you wish to change or add or instigate, change the habit to support growth in the direction that you would like to grow. You cannot change something in your life if you refuse to acknowledge its existence. There is no shame in owning up to a mistake or a problem or an area that needs improvement when your purpose is to grow from that point. The only shame comes when we continue to delude ourselves with the idea that nothing is wrong, everything's golden. Self-acceptance, a very commonly thrown around phrase, is a beautiful thing, as long as it does not preclude growth and change, a natural part of life and a very healthy part of life. We have to prioritize the changes that we desire to institute in our own lives. We have to know our motivation, that somewhat cliche phrase that gets tossed around, know your why, actually speaks to the need of having a solid reason to act out this growth. Change does not happen with poor motivation, at least for me it does not. If you desire to lose weight or eat better or learn yoga or learn how to code a website or whatever whatever it is that your goal is, but you are like me and you're struggling to actually do the thing, check your motivation source. Are you making the change or learning the new skill because you want it for you or because you think you should want it for you? Or maybe someone else wants you to want it or society has told you you should want this thing. All of that doesn't matter until you become your own why. Many of these changes that we make, regardless of whether it's on January 1st or December 31st, (laughs) many of these changes will be temporary at best and will simply serve as yet another moment of failure to haunt our pity parties. The past few years, I have, however, chosen to claim a word for the year. Have you heard of this custom? It is a very close cousin of the New Year's resolution. I like this one better. While it still has the potential for cliche, in my personal opinion, for myself, it seems to have more of a possibility for good than it does bad. It is quite impossible to sum a year up in a single word. However, I can see the value in choosing a foundational attitude or perspective from which to begin a year or project. It serves as a guidepost that 
directs your path, your journey. It's a mantra that harnesses the wandering mind and gives it a focal point as you move through your life, your year, and it gives you something to focus on. Last year, my word was dare. I chose the word. I struggled quite a bit with this word. I am a bit of a dichotomous character, being both a daredevil and a timid person at the exact same time. So I gave myself a few general goals that I thought related to the word in a a fairly logical manner. For example, dare to take risks, dare to not speak in fear, dare to live outside the realm of other people's negativity. But I genuinely did not understand the purpose of the word until just recently. 2020 was a challenging year for more than one reason, and there's so many global and societal aspects that we will get into another time. But for me personally, I went through two extremely stressful moves on very short notice. I had to stop work. My business was shut down. Thanks, COVID. Yay. Still paying rent, bought a house, lost a major contract, went through a natural disaster in December that massively affected the entire town. Not even to mention the aspects of living in a pandemic and the social distancing and and the depression and the, the anxiety that that creates. So back in January, I never could or would have predicted all of those occurrences in my own life. I'm not even sure I would have chosen them if I was given a checklist for all the things that could have happened in my life. And at the time of going through each one, I certainly was not thinking about the word dare. Perhaps occasionally when I would look at my Pinterest board and add a few words or or encouraging things that I thought would be beneficial looking back at the year. But otherwise, the word wasn't in my thoughts every single day. At this point, in looking back at those memories, I understand now the idea that I needed to learn was that sometimes you have to dare to be brave, dare to be strong, dare to sit with others in the middle of their pain and not compare, not try to fix because some things you can't fix, but dare to just be present, to feel, dare to smile, even in the middle of the most painful and confusing moments. So the word dare has become a special word, and I understand it better now. For me, looking back, it makes sense, and I can see growth that perhaps I would not have gotten otherwise, or at least a perspective that I may not have had. This year, I haven't quite settled on what I'm choosing for the year. I have two words in mind. One of them is for certain, the other is something I'm waffling on a little bit. The word I have chosen is resilient. First of all, the word is fun to say. It's beautiful. It flows off the tongue. This word gives the idea of a rebounding, springing back to shape after being stretched or bent. I like this word for 2021 because let's face it, 2020 stretched us all in ways we did not anticipate, most likely did not even enjoy. However, we can find growth in the adversity and spring back. We can be resilient. 
and we can be filled with new life, new energy, fresh resolve to keep going. We survived. We did it. But now we must keep going. And so the second word is a word I'm not exactly sure of. I'm waffling between two different ones. The word nevertheless or the word yet. Both convey the sense that something is not finished. The idea that still I go on undefeated, unstoppable, no matter what happens, regardless of whatever adversity comes, nevertheless. There is an unspeakable amount of hope in the word yet. I may not have done this yet, but, and that leaves an opening, an opportunity, the foreshadowing of something more to come, of endless possibility. And yes, a pessimist would perhaps interject here that there is just as much possibility for evil as there is for good. And while that is completely true, looking at you, 2020, I would parry that with the idea that our own continued growth and maturity can teach us to find hope and goodness, even in the midst of the most evil of times. So there you have it. That's my spiel for the day. If you are new here and you would like to hear more wildly eclectic, rambling episodes that may occasionally impart some wisdom, at the very least entertain, I invite you to subscribe, comment down below with the most eccentric New Year's goal you have set. Tell me how long you were able to commit to it. And thank you so much for letting me be part of your day and for listening. I invite you to join me here next week for the next episode of The Hermit House.